it kind of feels like if your club hasn't been taken over or has takeover talks underway, then you're getting left behind. Although, you tell that to Dundalk supporters. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where the rumours of Dundalk going back to part-time football, are they true? There's takeover bids all over the League of Ireland and we have seen plans pop up for redeveloping work on a number of stadiums across the league, including at Ordeal Park. My name is Roy Shanahan and we're joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. And Nathan, we hadn't a podcast last week. Why was that? Yeah, we're slacking a bit, aren't we? Uh, now your boy was living up in the US of A a couple of days away in, uh, in the Big Apple, New York, New York. So uh, <laughs> yeah, good to be back, Roy, isn't it? And I was going mad. I was, I was sitting over there having a great time on the holiday and being, oh, that's nice now. We, we have a few days of no League of Ireland news or a week or so no League of Ireland news. I'd be very happy. Now, we have multiple takeovers, multiple updates on stadium redevelopment and the small matter of a major UEFA European tournament coming to Dublin. So, it's <laughs> catch up on. Eat, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. I know, like, there's probably going to be a couple of stories here that uh, that happened a week or two ago, but definitely worth talking about because there's some absolute belters in here, isn't there? Absolutely. Now, let's go straight into it. Actually, no, actually, tell us, you went to the basketball game because I, I meant to ask you this. Who did you actually go and see? Oh, yeah. So, um, we were doing a tour of Madison Square Garden and yeah, obviously as a sports fanatic at the arena, I've always wanted to visit. Mm. So, we had a few choices. We had ice hockey, which I sort of wanted to go just for the scraps. Or the potential <laughs> of it that's going to be taken out. Yeah, uh, the Elite Glazier's that's the D10 that does me. Elite Glazier's playing a, a gig. Uh, hard to convince ourselves to go see go see him. And then, but we end up going to uh, the New York Knicks were playing uh, the Boston Celtics in an NBA preseason yeah, game. Right. Looked really good, you know yourself. A bit of a family atmosphere. Um, Good experience, especially you know, New York Knicks and Boston Celtics, I was told, are massive rivals. So, you have that little bit of interest as well. But I can't say I've sat down to watch an NBA game since, Roy. Right. Yes. <laughs> hasn't, hasn't, hasn't replaced the, old, uh, the the League of Ireland born a passion that I have gone just yet. Good. There's no NBA podcast on the horizon, I don't think, anytime soon. Right, okay. So, hasn't a patch on the League of Ireland. Okay. Uh, well, listen, you've been away and during that time, there has been a couple of takeover talks or takeover bids uh, you did in our little short talk beforehand talk about Cove Ramblers that was a a, a mistake but Treaty United and Drada isn't yeah certainly not so well, I think we probably started off with Treaty United first Roy because in our last show a couple of weeks ago we did heavily put on Drada United's potential takeover so we'll, we'll come to that update we have in a second but regarding Treaty United now, again, this has been confirmed by the club themselves that Kieran McCormick, who is a former Republic of Ireland and current Treaty United player, uh, has acquired the club in partnership with Tricor Pacific Capital, who are a Canadian investment group. Now, just a little bit on Kieran before we, we go into uh, into some of the nitty-gritty details that we have about this uh, takeover. Is uh, she, she become the first female co-owner and CEO, or CEO sorry, of a men's and women's League of Ireland club. 
the 44 year old has a master's in sports management from the University of Connecticut and is the founder of Top Soccer, which is a US based firm assisting with uh, high school students uh, securing university scholarship programs. Oh, this might seem like it came out of nowhere. There was never much really build up on a ride. I don't think we've even touched on this in, in any previous no, episodes that we've done. Uh, but it's you now this is all information that I have coming up, come from a press conference that was held with the club itself, and Terry McCormick answered a lot of questions to the press um, of the process and what to expect going forward for Three United. So even though I said it, it was pretty much under the radar, it has been a two-year process uh, between Terry, uh, Tricor and the League of Ireland. It was originally viewed that uh, Terry McCormick wanted to start up a women's team in West Cork, uh, that's where um, a, a, a mother's hometown is down in West Cork. But the League of Ireland not really focusing on starting up standalone women's teams at the minute. That they, they wanted to set up women's teams that are already developed in the league. That's, as you've seen with um, Shamrock Rovers, women's team come back into the league this season. So there was a recommendation within the League of Ireland. Uh, that Treaty United are looking for a bit of help with the women's side of the team. That's how it, how it pretty much escalated and that Clear has been in talks with Treaty United uh, along with uh, our partners Tricor to, uh, to going back to March time. So it's been a long process as a whole but with Treaty United it's only been from this year onwards. Again, just talking about this press conference already outlined some of the goals. Didn't go into too much detail uh, as of yet but of the move from going into a full-time professional structure with a big team, Treat United currently play um, in the offer in amateur contracts to a lot of the players, so that'd be a massive move for them. Again, that's not something we're going to see next season. This is something we're going to see in 2025 and beyond. And a big team, really, and actually something that's really interesting and something that I think a lot of Treat United fans would love to see is a rebrand away from the Treat United name. Mm. It be taken up by Monacar under Limerick once again. Okay. So this is so um, just like the full time structure, you're not going to see it come in in 2024. That's not possible. This is something you're going to see in 2025 onwards. So, even though they've technically been in the League of Ireland since 2020, it could be seen a return to Limerick. Enter your last name here. It's going to call it C United. I don't know what you're going to go with just yet. But how do you feel about that, Nathan? I think the rebound could, could be a really a good move for them. I think it opens up. Again, it's, it's just it's, it's some small changes, but it makes it a much more identifiable brand, doesn't it? But does like, Treaty, it, was Treaty United not a, a rebrand, really? I know they say yeah, it was a new club, but it wasn't really. It was Limerick under a, under a new name. And now what they're doing is, it's not really a rebrand going back to Limerick. It's just changing the name back again. I actually liked the the whole Treaty United thing, and I, and I liked the the, the way it, it was going. I know they're trying to incorporate the whole of Limerick and and what have you, but Treaty United might have held maybe more of an area, if you know know what I mean, it's surrounding areas. Yeah, yes, it's, again, it's just for me, it just goes back to that. As you said, it's actually that's a good point that it incorporates. County in America as a whole. I think that would be a small change that might benefit them going forward. Would you see them go back to the blue colours? Maybe that, that again has been heavily linked with Limerick in the League of Ireland. Uh, I think that's something we could see coming in down the line. But yeah, it's something that the fans need to be had to wait. Another little sliver of news that we got really very positive, and something that I don't think was ever under question, is that uh, Tommy Barrett is going to remain on as the men's fourth team yeah. manager. 
So, look, we weren't expecting nothing to change. You have, we probably talk about the playoffs a little bit in, in a show next week when that starts to come to a bit of an end. But you just missed out on the playoffs this season. It's their, their first time missing out of the playoffs under the treaty, you know, in Monaco. So they will be disappointed in that aspect. But I don't think Tommy Barrett's job is ever one of consideration, uh, even though they didn't miss out on the playoffs for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, he's had a solid two years, hasn't he? So uh, the only way you yeah. can progress is if you maybe have backing behind you. We don't know too much about these, Nathan. So we don't really know how strong a backing they're going to have, do we? Yeah, it, it definitely looks like that. Um, Kieran McCormick's going to be the public figure and the public face going in now as the, uh, the the co-owner and CEO of the men's and the women's clubs and Tricor and more so, would you say, a silent backer behind her injecting a lot of the money into it. Mm. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a massive takeover in terms of a huge injection of finances. We're not going to see Treaty United. We never know, but just I, I mean, we're not going to see them automatically. Oh, they're going to dominate the fourth division, fourth division next year. Stranger things have happened, but it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be floods and floods of money uh, being added to Tommy Barrett's budget uh, for the 2024 off season just yet. Okay, what about Rahada? Yeah, so a little update we have here. We probably won't really backtrack ourselves. We, we really went into detail about Charlie on our show a couple of weeks ago, so if we're interested. Go back and have a good listen to that. But we will touch on some points uh, for them more. Again, this is compared by the club by Jordan United that the board has provisionally accepted an offer from Trivella Group, a, a US sports investment firm, to acquire 100% ownership of Jordan United. This comes after uh, the FBI gave a green light to the, to the transaction. And now the only thing that's waiting, Roy, is final approval from the 140 members of Jordan United and AGM next month. So we'll be waiting with Bated We'll be waiting with Bated Brett, Jordan United fans will be waiting. Uh, Troy Bella Group in particular, we'll be waiting to see the outcome uh, of that AGM. But according to Daniel McDonald on, on Twitter, or X, whatever you want to call it, it's expected to pass pretty comfortably uh, by the Jordan United members. Okay. Uh, so what are they expecting? Again, it, it's fine having a takeover bid, but... What are they expecting to happen in, you know, next year, the year after? Is there talks in new stadiums? Is it the full-time football? What way do they think that you, they're going to help? You know how it is. You know how it is, things go. But to do, you know, so we have a little bit limited, I think, on the Treaty United story. But this one, uh, it's been a promise of promises, right? Mm. <laughs> I have a bit of a list here. I'll, I'll just I'll start right way through it. And again, we talked a little bit about some of these teams last week, but we have a much more detail list because this is the first time actually Tribella Group have been publicly named by Jordan even though it's been heavily linked and rumoured Jordan couldn't legally name Tribella Group so this is the first time they've openly come out and acknowledged this is the partnership between the two so what we'd be looking at in terms of changes both short term and long term is the all important change to a full time structure just our treaty united we're not going to see that in 2024 this is something that's going to happen in 2025 and beyond uh, what we will see for the 2024 off-season is an increase in budget for Kevin Doherty. I'm sure he'd be delighted with that, Roy. I, anyone that listens to the show, myself and myself included, hats off to Kevin because he's done a brilliant job this season keeping them in the Premier Division with a shoestring budget. Losing Freddie Draper very early on the season who looked like he was going to bang goals in left, right and centre and he 
Crute Wells, like, uh, Jamie Egan in, let's go back up at the centre half. Kyle Robinson's come in and, and banned a few goals. There is other few just off the top of my head, but uh, he, Kevin has done a brilliant job this season. Uh, and things more so behind the scenes was the investment in the front office operations. Uh, Troy Bella's vice president, the guy by the name of Wesley Hill, will join as an executive director. He'll oversee the day to day operations. And now, listen out to this name, Roy, because I, I can see the headlines, especially with, with the League of Ireland fans and League of Ireland media. A director of Troy Bella by the name of Benjamin Boycott is going to come in as the co chair alongside Joanna Bourne of Brody mm. United. Interesting. And as, and come here, you touched on it just before we made this little transition. The construction of a new stadium is such a key aspect of this move. It's something that is going to come down the line, but again, we're not going to see that coming anytime soon. But it, it, it's a massive part of the deal, and it's something that, that you really need to happen with Brody United because it, it's one of the many facilities around the league that's in desperate need of a bit of, of a major bit of TLC and, and a redevelopment or, or a complete rebuild. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, let's talk about. I suppose there's other stadiums out there now that are getting the thumbs up. Uh, we've had Derry, we've had Bowes, and Dundalk themselves are looking to redevelop. Yeah, again, these are all those quick little updates, uh, especially the Bohemians and Derry City story of things that we touched on in the past. So we'll just, we'll just kick on with, with Bohemians. I think we've talked about Daily Mail Park more than any, so keep keep the form going. It's probably the 50th week in a row we talked about Daily Mail, so we don't want to bait the street just yet. Uh, this comes as Dublin City Council have formally lodged planning application for a Daily Mill Park redevelopment project. Uh, design and planning funding, uh, we are design and planning excuse me, will be funded by the Department of Tourism, Culture, Art, uh, Talk, Sport and Media. This comes via the Large Scale Sports Infrastructure Fund. And if any of you have any little architecture heads, architecture, that's how much of an architecture head I am not, I can't even pronounce it. Uh, the design team behind this project is IDOM, the Laundry, Gilroy McMahon. No, so well. I'm not to have two lads out there buzzing with that little, little bit of information. <laughs> Again, we talked about the plans of Dynamo Park, but just if you haven't been listening in, I'm not too sure. The current plan is for a four-sided four-sided stadium uh, coming in just under 8,000 seat capacity. We'll have a new pitch in Daily Mount that they're going to change the current access to make it turn uh, north-south facing. They'll have new stands in the uh, east side and the west side. It will be 6,240,000 seats. And then from the north uh, side to the south side, there'll be stands and terraces. And they'll have a capacity of 1,794. Going in, they'll also have community facilities, uh, in terms of like sort of a gym, uh, public areas with restaurants, things like that, and then we'll have modern match day facilities for match uh, match day officials, for teams, for fans, for media members, uh, stuff like that. So looking at the Dayman project now, phase one has been completed, uh, and they're looking for the entire project to be completed by the twenty twenty seven season. But that solely depends on for that government funding. Yeah. Now we think you're touching that day day a little bit, Roy. It, 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 just before we move on, do you think looking at twenty twenty season, is that viable option? Are we looking at twenty twenty seven do you think for such a rebuild, such a change? Is, is that Yeah, I look at the stadium, I think that the work has started already. I 
definitely think that if they keep pushing that they can get that stadium ready for 2027 we were a little bit disappointed in maybe how the stadium finished compared to how it was looking at the start but when you look at it now and you look at what's been there for the last donkey's years it's going to be a huge improvement so the league needs new facilities and uh, it'll be brilliant really will be brilliant Um. When you look at the likes of Derry, and you're going to go on to Derry now as well, uh, they're trying to do the same thing. It's going to be a redevelopment over a certain amount of years. It's good for them. They have the room up there to be able to to do what they want, really. Tell us about that, Derry one. Yeah, so Bowes are the only sites that have had breaking news in terms of planning permission. Uh, Derry City have had planning permission approved for a new stand at the Ryan McBride Brandywell Stadium. This is the stand that will go behind the goal where the away supporters are currently housed. So, now it's, it's, you'd normally say the next big step for this project is funding. Now, funding was, it, the still have to be signed off, but it's believed that Philip O'Doherty, uh, the club chairman, will fund this project themselves and that they're looking to get this done ASAP. So I wouldn't expect much kickback or much delay on this project. But what, as you said, the Derry City and the Brandywell is something that we're going to see phases of this done over time. So we're going to see the completion of the Mark Farron stance, which is a half stand at the moment. We're going to see that completed to, to go the full length of the pitch. And the next big thing for Derry City and the next club we're going to talk about in a second on Dock is addressing the pitch, addressing the artificial surfaces, which are going to be banned by the FEI after uh, 2024. So look, yeah, we'll just bounce on some dark boy, really, because we have a, a lot more to get into uh, from the, the, the Lily Boys' point of view. I mean, we'll quickly, we'll just talk about why we're on stage and to talk about a little bit of an update of information that we have on Oriel Park. Uh, so back in 2022, the club formed a six-person development group now, just the job of this group was to examine the club as a whole and to seek advice on the future of Oriel Park. So Oriel Park, uh, they're set to remain in the in the current home of Dundalk instead of moving to a new site. This is because of the current location of the element in terms of the proximity to the town centre and the space that's around Oriel Park for future redevelopments. So a part of this development group, they put out a support or consultation. And we have some results here about some of the fine, not all the finance, if anyone's interested, there's a full report up on the Dundalk website. But we have a couple of uh, interesting nuggets of information coming out from that uh, consultation. And that's uh, that 85.9% of fans said they prefer to stay at Aurea Park. And then when talking about getting walked onto Aurea Park, there was 51% of fans believe the club should focus on a Category 3 League of Ireland Stadium, while 49% right down the middle believe no work should start on Oriel Park until plans for a Category 4 stadium exist. Where the Category 4 stadium would allow them to host European matches hmm. past the yearly qualification round. So that, that, that's a massive thing for any League of Ireland yeah. club. And I think if yeah. you can do it, that, that, should be, that should be the aim of any League of Ireland yeah. club. Especially clubs that have ambition to stay in Europe season in season that they can do it to get those latter rounds in the Conference League Europa League even the Champions League if we can ever imagine that right it's to get them in your own stadium and to pack it out and have all that uh, the, fi- the finance and the gate and seats going back into your club be absolutely brilliant now 
the development group decided to aim for a category three stadium instead uh, and to focus on staggered approaches for any future uh, improvements to area parks that we needed. And some of the issues that was outlined by this development group is the playing and training facilities uh, at the dock at the moment from all levels, from the domain senior down to the, the academy. Uh, an updated floodlight system because the current floodlights that they have at the minute uh, were erected back in 1967. And apparently the, the, the bulb, again, I'm not going to go with the bulb people with the detail, of bulbs and lighting, but apparently the, the bulbs you have now is a really old system and it's extremely cost effective mm. where you could go into a, a newer LED model and, and cut down costs on the floodlights. And again, they go into farm facilities and community facilities. And the action that they're looking to take is that the club have submitted a local plan, a local area plan uh, consultation to the Loud County Council. This was back in June. And they're also looking at seeking funding. And this funding would come in the way of a sport capital grant, which you have also applied for, which would go towards the work of the floodlights and, most importantly, the picture area park that we know for a long time has been a huge sticking point for everybody in the lake. Yeah. I am. I I looked at you seen the video that they that was put out and and I think if you're gonna go in and do something, go in and do it full heartedly. Go for, reach for the top and see how far you get. Because as you said, like European football, like if you want to go anywhere, Dundalk are the ones who you know pioneers for it. You know, getting into group stages and stuff. So what's going to happen to get into group stages? Have to go and play somewhere else. That that's not what you want. You want them to play in your home stadium to be able to play those big games. Surely they can rouse up, as you say, to get and get sports capital grants. Surely they can rouse up the the county to try and get behind them, get the fundraising in, try and get you know the finances in from wherever they can get it. Category three, category four. You know, I've always thought. You, you ever think about your? I know it's smaller things, but you you, you get a, people settle for a phone little less than really what they wanted, and you know it's a little bit more pain to get the phone that they really really wanted. Work hard, get what you want, you know, and then pay for it later. You're gonna pay for this one later for a long time, so you might as well be paying for something that you really really want and you really really desire, and that's really really going to be. Of use because if you're in European football, you have to move somewhere else. Where are you going to play? Probably have to play in Drogheda Stadium. You know, so <laughs> how much of a yeah. kick in the arse is that? So yeah, I'm I'm disappointed to say uh, that that they've they've gone for this. I, I think no, that so, so, so am I. I 100 agree with you that uh, that you do have to read, read for the stars. And look, if you have to pull back, as disappointed that is as that is, as we talked about with daily notes. The, the, the original plans that he had to the scale tap plans he had now but yeah I, I think just to automatically settle with that category 3 it, it's I think there's a tell a lot about the ambition at the club at the moment and the ambition of the current owners anyway because look we've been very critical of peak 6 as long as everybody in Dundalk has and a lot of people around the league has but he invested he invested in the club it was not a good partnership I'm not even trying to look at this with rose in the glass and say, oh, well, you know, maybe it was a little bit harsh. It wasn't. It wasn't a good, a good partnership, but he invested. He never, probably never aimed to secure the future of Dundalk, ever. They never had Dundalk's interest at heart. I've seen that when they were proposing Dundalk moving uh, 
over to Dublin and I was moving down to the Aviva or something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget the time, but it was a mental story coming out. But you look at the current regime, the the, 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 the stat sports, uh, lads, there's been zero investment made the club whatsoever. And, and this club that he got for, for nothing as well, there's been no investment at all. It's just been awfully run over the past number of years. You just said it. And Dark were almost the pioneers of this generation of of that uh, their, their exploit in European football. The distance that he got, the money that he earned. And now, which we probably touch on actually now, Roy, that probably's setting up to be another League of Ireland disaster story. Not probably not to the levels that we've seen, but seen with Bowles, seen with Shelbourne, seen with Shamrock Rover, draw the cork. It's, it's the future, the short term future anyway. Is not looking good for Dundalk. And they, we talked about European football and the category four stadiums. It might not be coming to Dundalk anytime soon because we are looking at rumours during the week. And we got a little bit of confirmation, which we talked about in a second, just before we jumped on. But rumours during the week going around that Dundalk would be operating on a part time schedule next season would be a major backward step uh, for Dundalk. So it's. Uh, now again, this is something that's been rumoured around with no confirmation, but thankfully or just Kevin's for me and he jumped on here. Mm. I'm just gonna read out a quick little statement that Sundarka put out uh, regarding the rumours. And this is to say Edinburgh uh, Football Club can confirm that talks of a potential investment in the club are ongoing. We are hopeful that these talks will conclude in the very near future. It is not possible for us to address all the rumours that are spreading around the town and on social media. Many of them are mixed with pure speculation, half truths and simple falsehoods. So look, a statement that's not going to clear up an awful lot. But so they're, just, sa- so they're not, saying there's a chance there's part-time football. They're saying there's <laughs> in, insert Jim Carrey here. Yeah. They're saying there's a chance. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, there's, there's no point sitting in top of the room and not putting the, the, the wishy-washy statement into it. it, it, it he put out what he put out. Um, but you also have a manager there now in Stephen O'Donnell that has been vocal in the local press over the past week or so saying that there's been no clarity on the 2024 budget and no negotiations have even begun. They're not close to any of our contract players that are out with the end of the season. And some of the names are in the list here. You have Nathan Shepard, number one goalkeeper. He's been really good for them since he came to the club. You have Dan Kelly, Greg Slogger, Alfie Lewis, Robbie McCourt, John Martin. Robbie Benson, Cameron Elliott, Peter Cherry, John Milton and Keith Ward are all over contract at the end of the season. I can all walk away in the winter and there has been no negotiations started with any of these mm. players for next year at all. Again, we're just going to sneak back into that room. We have had one more second. Pat Hoban has been another name. It's been on the lips of a lot of people. Is that uh, while well, he's on the contract at the club and he's remained on the contract for 2024, Again, heavy rumours, take your pinches of salt out here and lash it on. Uh, but it's rumoured that um, his wages may not be able to be afforded next season. There's already speculation of him going uh, to Bobby on top of Bowers. You look at someone like Pat Hilton, he's something, someone that Derry City ever missing this season. He's really yeah. missing a clinical strike, as good as they've been. There's nobody in the top five uh, goal scoring charts this year. Pat himself is a Galway man. That could be a massive kill, wouldn't it? For Galway United to, yeah. to get such a such a, a well-known striker in the league, someone that it, it's impressive enough this season in terms of his goals, Hallie. It, it, it's just hoping it really is a, well if they do go part time Nathan they'll just get picked apart they, uh, any of the players who are there who are worth any yeah. uh, worth anything at all 
they'll go to different clubs and th- the rest of them will benefit. And as you said, they'll start to struggle. Basically, what will happen here is they'll swap places with Drogheda and they'll start to struggle, you know, and they're just going to hope that the teams who come up aren't going to be as strong. Well, tough shit. Galway are coming up. They're going to be strong. If Waterford come up, they could very well be someone who relegates you next year. So... <laughs> they're going to have to be very very careful they're going to have to be very very careful because yeah, the, Division 1 football isn't far away if you're going down that road certainly isn't and even the drop of the point of change that's mad isn't it we're talking about the, uh, the, the investment coming in they're still going to be going into the 2024 season uh, as, a par- as a part-time side so they could have new ownerships and they could still get relegated down to the vote division. Now, in fairness, the new owners have said this, this isn't going to be a couple of years. This is a decade-long plan. Decades, sorry. Long plan uh, with Drogheda. Mm. So even if the divorce does happen to go down, they'll still be around too. But yeah, you have, as you mentioned, the Galway coming up. You have another full-time side in Waterford itching to get back up into the Premier Division. So sides like Dundalk, that could be potentially, we don't know yet. There's no confirmation. It's just... The statement certainly have a clear that it's enough that I just read, read out. Sides like that, sides maybe like a Sligo, uh, you, you do have to be nervous with a lot of these uh, full-time structure teams with positive backing coming up in the fourth division and potentially taking a place. I don't know. Even I, It's a subject that I don't really like getting on. It's the Stephen O'Donnell, obviously, with the history of Pats there. Anytime you're critical, you're going to get someone coming on just uh, salty about what happened. But... There's no hiding. There's been a lot of frustration from the Dundalk supporters about Stephen O'Donnell's performance this season. Yeah. Around his team selection, around his recruitment as well. His recruitment, he's recruited some seriously substandard players in that Dundalk team. Yeah, Forget some of the lads that we named out our, our contract. They, they're going to need a massive clear regardless of what happens here because well, they're not to scratch. is ridiculous short-term loan deals that don't benefit anybody whatsoever injury-prone players with their records have just unfortunately came back to bite them in the ass a little bit this season. It's Yeah, it, it's a really difficult situation. I, I don't know, if, would you be looking to go the whole hard and get rid of a manager and Stephen O'Donnell that is, has been in the time with that club for such a long time and has been so successful with that club as a player? I, I'm not too sure. It would be a massively bold move to lose a lot of your squad and then lose your manager too and the chance to change of ownership in, in the one summer. But, it's such a strange one, isn't it, really? For, for a club that has been so successful, has been the dominant team in Ireland. And again, we're in this situation where we talk about that dominant team potentially faltering and falling off. Yeah, uh, well, like, I mean, they're starting to, they're starting to drift. So I, I can I can 100% see that happening next year. And we've seen what happened with Cork City. You know, that exact same thing happened to Cork City. And they found themselves in the first division very, very quickly. So they need to be very careful uh, the decisions that they make. You know, I said, reach for the stars. If you don't reach for the stars, you're, there's only so high you can go. So, um, yeah. yeah. Do, do you think you're reaching for the stars, right? Because, again, we're very rumour heavy. We're rumour heavy this episode. It's, we just took a lot of stories off with just stupid things right here. Man. But a rumour like that, that tickles me. I could very well just be a rumor. I don't know if you've seen this. So I, I, I wouldn't believe a word of this until I've seen it. Uh, Conor McGregor interested in investing yes. in a league of Ireland club. I said this. I said this. I don't know where it came from. I couldn't tell you where it came from. I couldn't tell you who started it. I was looking on Twitter. I was looking online. I couldn't find a quote to save my life. But it, it, it's just, I got a little bit of a giggle out of that. So you never know. 
Well, tell you the truth, Connor wouldn't do. It wouldn't be a bad move for him to go down that well, road. You know, if you if you wanted to dominate something, to get in there to dominate something, to build something of your own. You know, you seen it the way it was with the. I seen the rumors there as well about Rob McElhenney and um, what's your man's name, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds and and before they took Wrexham that they were looking at Scottish and, and League of Ireland teams, you know. So, you know, this is Dundalk could have been, you know, the documentary um, or Welcome to Dundalk <laughs> or whatever title they wanted to put on it. But I think they made the right choice, to tell you the truth. But because it, it, it's obviously going to, you know, you can get to the Premier League, it's a big thing. But you, you do have to try and encourage money into the league, you know. And so why Conor McGregor could make something out of it. To tell you the truth, Conor McGregor, if he was looking to buy someone, it would have to be someone, you know, with substance. So, you know, maybe a Shamrock Rovers, they've already have things in place, you know. So the investment is going to go somewhere quick, Uh but I don't know. You know, I don't know where he wants to go with it, you know. But I wouldn't say no. It'd be entertaining, wouldn't it? Yeah, no. So we won't give too much time on Connor. <laughs> That's not going to be uh, followed up too much. But yeah, come here, honestly. Take your personal opinions of whatever they may be. Kick him at the door. Like we're in a country here that nobody clamouring to invest in League of Ireland clubs, especially people with the financial backing of Connacht. Love my hate him. It's there. Like anyone we're talking about over the past couple of weeks or months where I have been American-based, Canadian-based, Turkish-based coming into the league. Yeah. Right, Flora Manley. So do you have someone that's, that's coming in that's, that's from here, potentially loves the league. I don't know how much of a support that Connor may be. Does it go into a South Dublin club? As you said, Rovers, St. Pat's, I don't know. I think there's family connections there with Bohemians. Yeah, but he's played football, Black so Black, he has an, he has an interest. FC, right? Yeah, he has Black an interest. <laughs> we need another team coming out of Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, we leave that there. There's plenty of rumours there and plenty of... <laughs> Yeah. Disappointment, I suppose, as well. Uh, Euro 2028 is coming to Ireland, Nathan. What does this mean for Irish football? Yeah, don't get too excited. That is, is what I think it means for Irish football. Uh, this is confirmed by UEFA during a small ceremony at UEFA HQ in Switzerland. The FBI and the Irish government have committed 6.2 million euro towards a legacy fund. And this legacy fund will be for the betterment of domestic football in Ireland uh, it's the Irish share of an overall 51 million legacy fund that's going to be split across uh, Ireland and all the, the UK representatives uh, but 6.2 going to Irish football right? you're looking at a tournament and again these are all estimates I think sometimes you can't pull these estimates out of the sky but an estimate that's going around is the economy is set to make 240 million euro so that 6.2 already looks it's not that significant mm. compared to the money that's going to be coming into the economy probably not nothing to amazingly get excited about we're not going to see a massive influx of cash coming into the League of Ireland just because uh, Dublin is hosting Euro 2028 yeah it's it's a part about it's going to go in for facilities and gentlemen improvement and things like that but I'm not too sure. Right, you care. You care about the, the Euros coming to Dublin. 
I only care if, if Ireland are in the Euros. If they're not in the Euros, I'd rather it wasn't here. I said that before on the last time around. Um, yeah. I really, I couldn't be arsed. It doesn't make a difference. I don't care if Spain are playing Germany and the Aviva. Tickets would be fucking mad price. You know, so what? Yeah, it's and yes, people. There will be money coming in. People have to come in and eat and stay in places and stuff like that. That's great for the economy and all. But as you said, will it trickle down to League of Ireland? Most likely not. So for League of Ireland, it probably won't mean anything. It'll just be a boost for the country, a cash boost. Yeah, and we still have to qualify. Like I was looking at the qualifications for the teams, and there'll be so if neither of the uh, of the the, the hosts qualify off their own merit there is two safety net qualification spots put aside for, for two of the teams but that'll all come down to the best performance teams in the qualification group so there's no guarantee or would have to go the, the, the right way about it have to qualify through a group stage and uh, the information we have here is the Aviva Stadium itself will set the whole six games four of those will be in the group one of those will be in the last 16 and the last of those will be one before our final game. Yeah, uh, I'm the same as you. It's, it's even when the announcement was made, it was really difficult to get excited about. Look, I'm sure it's hard to change if Ireland get there. It'll be a great occasion, things like that. But if just we're here on a League of Ireland podcast, and you know, it would be great to hype up the the change this will make, the change that the money and the exposure bring to the league at all, but it won't. And it's something we haven't really put, we weren't going to really bring up, but we can have a little chat about it quickly before we bounce off. And this is the reason. I don't really want to say that the, the, the standard of the league is dropping at all, but you go back to the European performance during the summer, they were really disappointed, mm-hmm. really, really disappointed mm-hmm. that, that no Ireland team progressed too close to any, any group stages. So we're going to be continuing to be bypassed in European football by similar size and smaller size nations that might have FAs willing to invest um, maybe even off the back of the international team performances and invest that and trickle that back down into the grassroots game but unfortunately it's just something we've never seen with the FEI and it's, it, it, I can't see it changing with the money that's going to be made at Euro 2028 No I can't with our league you've seen a whole load of talent come through a whole load of talent being moved on to different countries you know getting contracts left right and centre our league has had a big hole to fill I don't have any doubt that in the next two or three years that'll be full again and, and we'll have more players go away but to raise the standard of the league on a consistent basis you just kind of have to put money in it and that's really it and this this doesn't really make a damn of a difference so uh, if Ireland get through I'll be bursting at the seams <laughs> I'm glad you finished up with that. Because it's just to me, yeah, I go, Jesus Christ. Only us two have been Congress. Oh, there's a mega tunnel coming to Dublin. Oh, I couldn't care less. <laughs> Give a shit. Could yeah. not care less. No, genuinely, we'll be on. We'll, hopefully, we're still going. Hopefully, the big kickoffs and the big bleeding offers with bells and whistles and loads of staff. And hopefully, we're in a studio for <laughs> 2028 and we're leading up to the Euros and we're buzzing the Ireland in it. As I say here, as I say here, up in the attic in 2023, with no prospect <laughs> of, of money coming in to uh, the League of Ireland from this tournament, yeah, it, it's I, I'm I'm not buzzing for it. I'm not gonna lie to you. 
No. I, will, I probably will be when the day out comes. Okay. Right, we're going to leave it there, Nathan. Thanks very much, and thanks very much for you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.